Welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. I'm your host, Guardian Nurses founder, Betty Long. During season three, we'll be delving in deeper to the amazing lives and stories of nurses and other healthcare professionals from around the country. We'll also be talking with a few of my nurse advocate colleagues at Guardian Nurses. You'll get a behind the scenes peek at the healthcare system, as well as get advice on how to get the best care when you or a loved one is a patient. Being discharged to your home after a lengthy admission in the hospital is usually a good thing, but for patients needing additional support to continue their recovery, it can become overwhelming for them and for their loved ones. Lots and lots of attention is given in hospitals to creating good discharge plans. But what's that old saying about the best laid plans? That holds true, especially when the patient is discharged on Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. My conversation with two of my guardian nurse's colleagues, Damali Stansbury and Lindsay Aliano, highlights some of the challenges faced by one husband after bringing his wife home. Take a listen. Ladies, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Damali, uh, Lindsay, great to have you here. Hey, Betty. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you for having me here. Sure. No, it's great. I uh, We've been talking about this case uh, most of the week, and I thought that, you know, given the dramatic nature of it, it would be good to have you both on uh, the, as guests and talk about the case and, and uh, hopefully share some wisdom for our listeners so that they, too, can advocate for themselves uh, in the healthcare system. So as we often do, I want to get to, uh, I want our listeners to get to know you guys a little bit. So, Damali, I'm going to start with you. Okay. You're our first team social worker. Yay. Yes. yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you joined our team um, earlier this year in January. Uh, yeah. You and I have known each other a couple of years uh, in another world. Uh-huh. You were uh, working for the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. That's correct. Yeah. And so tell us how you got into social work. What was your journey? Wow. So I feel that I've been doing quote unquote social work unofficially um, since uh, working with my son, um, who, you know, just trying to navigate the healthcare system, the education system as well. Um, you know, um, working with doctors, making sure that his needs were met, and then also working with my parents um, when they were ill, and also working with my church and community service initiatives, and also with my okay. sorority. So I was doing it a, a, for a good long while. And then I started out my first position in the field. Um, I was sort of recruited into it. Um, and I was doing in-home therapies, behavioral assistance for youths in New Jersey. And because of my background and you know being a parent that um, was going mostly through what the families I w- was working with going through, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the clinicians and therapists relied on my feedback, okay. which normally they wouldn't do so in a person in the position that I was in at the time. So they relied on it so much that they kept on saying, have you ever thought about social work? And I kept putting it off. Cause I'm like, okay. no, no, this is just what I do. But then my <laughs> boss came back and says, you need to apply to a school of social work. 
So that's <laughs> how my official journey got started. And okay. started at, I went back to Temple. And yeah, I had, go out. Yes. And then I received <laughs> my degree in May of 2021. Yay. Congratulations. Yes. So, so, so because your boss told you to go, you did? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it was sort of voluntold. <laughs> I needed to go back. <laughs> and it was good for me oh. because it pushed me out of my comfort zone too. Okay, great. So, so once you got enrolled in the curriculum, did it kind of resonate with you? Did it make sense? Like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can do this. Uh, some parts of it, yes. Uh, when it got into the research and qualitative measures, that's where I sort of like, whoa. But mm. for the most part, yes. And I thought it was very helpful because I think um, being an older student, and I had uh, other older, quote unquote, older students in the classroom, we bought real life experience. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just book learning. It was also, um, okay, this is what the book says, but this is real world. So how does right. this make you feel or how does, you know, how would you do this in this, you know, situation? So that, that's what the great benefit of it was. Yeah, that that's that's great because, you know, you're in even in nursing school, when you go to nursing school, typically pe people are younger. Right. But when you have an older student who has life experience, perhaps has a family. Right. Who's raised children. And then they come into nursing school. They have a whole different perspective on things, as you yes. do, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are happy that you chose social work and, and that you were voluntold and listened to what you were told. <laughs> yes. Because uh, even even in your, you know, your, your work on this case uh, was very, very good. And um, I know you're doing a great job with all the other nurses that you're working with. So thank, thank you for you. that. Thank you. So you're welcome. So, Lindsay, let's switch to you. How about your journey into nursing? What so, got you started? See, when I, when I was younger, I was raised by a single mom. We liked to watch a lot of different medical shows when I was younger, um, detective shows, things like that. And I found all that fascinating. We'd stay up late together and watch shows. And <laughs> as I got older, I was always kind of the mom of the group, kind of taking care of everybody. Um, it felt, felt natural to take care of people. Um, and... So when I graduated high school and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, um, I actually took a part-time job working at um, a nursing home that was um, had an Alzheimer's and dementia ward. Oh. And I didn't even know that world existed um, right. as a 19-year-old, and I was fascinated by it. And um, so I immediately, I then also worked at a, a large hospital, became a nurse's aide, um, and went to nursing school and really just dove right in, fell in love, um, and had an opportunity to work with a lot of really cool nurses that um, inspired me and uh, taught me a, a lot of um, important lessons. And so I knew for immediately for me that nursing school was what I needed to do. That's great. So what, when you think, when, when you look back on the, on the TV shows that you're watching, I don't think there was <laughs> nurse Jackie. I don't think there were many shows no. about nurses. No, there wasn't, but they had a lot of shows where they would do like surgeries. They were like real shows and they would show uh -huh. like different, um, like procedures and different things. And I was fascinated by them, but no, okay. none of the reality shows were on at that point. Um, <laughs> but they were all real shows on like, you know, weird channels. And, um, but it was so <laughs> fascinating. And I just thought like, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to be standing there at the doctor doing that. <laughs> 
That's great. Um, I was talking to a friend uh, last week uh, who's in her uh, 70s, and she remembers, you probably, you guys probably don't remember, the books uh, Cherry Ames, which was, I think the author's, I think it was back in World War II. Um, so this was, you know, remember Nancy Drew books, right? Yeah. She yeah. Was the, yeah, yeah. Right. She was the detective. Well, it was a similar series on nursing and the woman's name was the, the character's name was Cherry as in like Bing Cherry, Cherry Ames, A-M-E-S. Uh, and a lot of women that I talked to, you know, in their seventies and eighties who were nurses, really <laughs> those books inspired kind of like the TV oh, wow. show for Lindsay, but those books inspired them to go into nursing. So, you know, yeah. Uh, maybe this podcast will inspire someone to go into nursing. Who knows? You never know. I well, hope so. <laughs> you never know. Right. Um, so thank you both for sharing that history. So so let's talk. Uh, let's dig a little bit deeper into this case. So, um, Lindsay, uh, you are one of our mobile care coordinators uh, over in New Jersey working with a large fund uh, that has probably uh, close to 40,000 belly buttons, as we call them. And Damali, you're our social worker who kind of, you know, pitches in and helps out as the nurses need you. So this was a collaboration, a collaborative effort. Uh, so, Lindsay, how, how did you initially get this referral? What was the story behind that? So it was um, the end of a Friday afternoon, uh, it was around five o'clock and my team lead called and said that there had been a direct call um, from a case manager of a large insurance company. Um, oh. And they felt that they had a patient that could really use some help um, from our services. Wow. The patient was, yeah, the patient that's, was gonna get discharged. And, that, that's, um, wait, they were gonna get discharged on Friday. First of all, we don't often get referrals from the insurance case manager. So kudos to her, right? Because there's only certain things that she can do. Because I, I think that's part of the challenge of being an insurance case manager is that you're, you know, you're kind of constricted by your insurance uh, restrictions, right? So, right? so she reached out to guardian nurses to help this family, which is pretty cool. Okay. Correct. So, go ahead. I think she yeah. had received a call from the social worker at the hospital. Um, who was helping with the discharge planning and knew that this family was going to need a lot of help. Um, okay. So my team lead had called and said, listen, I really need you to put a call out. Um, the patient's already discharged, but if you can call and set up a home visit with them, um, I think it would be a really good idea to help them. That's great. So I said, of course. Uh, I called them Friday uh, late afternoon. Unfortunately, I did not connect with them. Um, I called early Monday morning and the husband picked up and said, please, I need you to come over now, today. Oh, wow. So, so I did. So I went over, I got a history of the patient. The patient had actually, it was a very interesting case. Um, the patient had been admitted to the hospital after um, taking two different antibiotics and um, forming a very, very, very severe rash um, called bullus femvagoid, <laughs> very rare. Wow. Um, and wow. what it does is it causes these huge, huge, huge blisters from head to toe um, that open and weep and bleed and are very, very, very painful. Wow. Um, and they just, they continue to grow um, and they take a very long time to heal. Um, and a lot of times this could be from a low immune system or a reaction to a medication. Wow. The patient what? had started... What Go was ahead. she on? Um, what was she on the antibiotics? So this was she had been taking two antibiotics and developed a, a rash, or a, obviously she was allergic to the antibiotics. 
So she had a rash to start. The dermatologist uh, put her on an antibiotic. Uh, then a week later, she developed a UTI. So the doctor put her on another antibiotic. And wow. so between the two antibiotics, um, her she just became increasingly worse and worse. Wow. Um, had to be admitted to the ER uh, due to the extensive, excuse me, the extensive nature of the condition of the rash. Um, wow. It was literally everywhere that you can think of from head to toe. Oh, um, wow. so she was very sick. Um, and so while she'd been in the ICU for about a week, um, she also, um, you know, was getting physical therapy a little bit in the hospital and she was trying to regain her strength. She was always awake and alert, um, but she was in a lot of pain, um, but really struggled and wanted to be independent. So when they were getting discharged, going to rehab was not an option for her. She insisted that she wanted to go home with help. Okay. So this is where we come in. So okay. the visiting nurses, of course, set up. Um, they had a visiting nurse set up to come in. Um, I had called the patient to say that I'd come and see him. And um, when I got there, um, they needed a lot of help. And so it was clear that it wasn't going to take just me. It was going to take a team of us to get them what they needed. Um, the husband had to work full time all day long. Um, mm -hmm. and the wife was going to be home by herself. And so when so when was, you you came out on so they he she was discharged on Friday, which is yeah. not a good day to be discharged because especially yeah, in the never. late afternoon, right? Because agencies are closing at five and you know not typically going out on Saturday or Sunday, huh? Okay, no, so, and so, not typically going out right away either. There's usually a, a few days delay just because of you know. Um, there's a staff shortage, it's, you know, post-COVID, just the world's right. a little different and it takes a little longer to get people out. Okay. Um, so he said, I need you to come out now. Okay. And that so was Monday morning, right? Yep. Yep. So I got there Monday morning. Um, I asked, you know, I walked into the house and you could tell how much he cared about her, but it was difficult for him to care for her. And so um, I called the visiting nurse service that they had already implemented through the hospital. And I said, somebody's got to come out like tomorrow. <laughs> I said, okay. can't wait. We can't wait a week. We need something now. Right. Um, so the nurse actually did show up the next day and um, she was very upset as well to what she saw. So she called her case manager and asked her to come out to the house right away to help provide resources for the family. Wow. Um, was this so patient, was, was this, I'm sorry to interrupt, was this patient, when he was working, was she alone in the house? Did she have any family yeah. or kids? Oh, nope. she was alone. No family, no kids. She's all alone in a small apartment. Um, mm. And so what happened was she was so ill the first week or needed so much help the first week at home. Um, the husband's, uh, I actually spoke to the HR director for the husband's work. Um, and we spoke for a while because she was so concerned about him. And she gave him the week off so he could be home with her for a week until we figured out how wow. to get her coverage all through the week. So I worked with the human resources director. We figured that he could stay home for a week. Um, and then at that point, I could get the visiting nurse and the physical therapist to set up a routine and set days. And then we would know how well she would be covered. Um, so yeah, so there, was a, there was a lot of logistics, it sounds like. Right. So you're you're going into a situation thinking that, you know, home care set up and things will be OK. But in the reality, 
they weren't coming until a little bit later. You had to make the call to get them to come in. Like there was a lot of, um, I guess, heightened uh, interest in getting this woman the care she needed at home. Oh, yes. It was obvious right away that she needed care immediately. Um, And unfortunately, her husband couldn't provide for her for various reasons. So I spoke to the case manager. We did a meeting. She was at the home to see the family, and I was on the phone uh, talking with her as well. And she had left them a handwritten list of resources. Um, English is not their first language. And um, I could tell immediately that the husband was overwhelmed that he needed to call all of these resources to try and get help. Mm-hmm. So I offered to call the resources. There was about nine or 10 of them. Um, it was a long list. And um, I was I set out to go ahead and call all of them. She didn't qualify for some of them due to her age or different issues. Um, but overall, we were able to get Meals on Wheels. I was able to get a program called Friendly Visitor Program, and they sit with her and hang out with her for a little bit, a few hours um, a week. Okay. I was um, I was also able to get transportation grants um, completed for her. Um, we also got um, some of her utilities um, paid based on the Office of Hispanic Affairs. So I reached mm-hmm. out to them, um, and the biggest piece was getting her set up for Medicaid. And so that's when my my new good friend Damali comes into the picture. <laughs> so, wow, Damali's thinking, "Thank God you only called me then," because oh, <laughs> sounds like Damali could have been busy making that making those calls on that list. Um, so, tell me a little bit. Wait, I want to get back to the the friendly visitor. So, those are volunteers that just uh, come out to the home. They don't charge, right? They're volunteers. Correct. You fill out an application, a short application. They're all volunteers. Um, there's a lot of restrictions. They certainly can't help um, with certain things. Um, with, you know, they don't do bathing or anything like that. Um, right. But they'll sit and they'll play cards with you. They'll watch TV. They'll talk to you. They'll do games. Um, really, whatever the members' needs are, sometimes it's just having company, just having somebody there with you. Um, this That's particular great. patient has a difficult time walking, so when Meals on Wheels come, they don't bring the food into the house so this person who's with her can get the food from the you know from the front door and bring it in the house um, and really help out with small things that make a really big difference that's great because I know that there are many families struggle with with those kind of care needs because um, they can't take off from work and the the home care or companion agencies that are available are private pay and sometimes they're twenty five dollars mm-hmm. an hour and have and have minimal, uh, I'm sorry, minimum uh, re- requirements, right? So you have to hire the person for three hours or four hours or whatever, or, you know, three times a Correct. week. And it, it can be expensive. So it's nice to hear uh, who, who sponsors that uh, organization, do you know? So that's actually through the county that they live in. Oh, great. That's great. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds like a great, um, great idea to play. Playing cards. I can't imagine somebody playing cards and not being on their phone. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like, See, actually, the 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 member is um, Puerto Rican, and she loves to play dominoes. So she okay. asked if somebody could come and play dominoes with her. <laughs> wow, wow! I can't. Rem- yeah. I remember way back when dominoes was was hot. Jeez. Wow, I can't imagine. Yep. Okay, so um, so after you've made this exhaustive uh, outreach to all these agencies, then you realize that it would be better for the family to have uh, medical assistance. And to Molly, because she is our esteemed 
colleague and can do this, uh, you brought her yeah. into the mix. So, Damali, this is your time to shine. Tell us about your experience <laughs> with this family. <laughs> um, well, I had the pleasure of speaking with the member, the husband, and one of the concerns that he had was because of his work schedule, it was not possible to be for him to be home during the day. So okay. being that he left out early in the morning, the only time that was feasible was for me to meet up with the family early in the morning. And this is an application that could be done online. And okay. being that, you know, with the pandemic and mail getting delayed and, you know, things right. like that, it's faster, easier, um, and more um, direct if you do it online because it goes straight into the system. Okay. So being where I live and where the member lives, it was is basically two hours away from me. <laughs> so being that wow. we had to leave um, the member, um, got up early in the morning to get his wife, um, you know, dressed, situated, breakfast, you know, made. Right. I had to leave about 530 in the morning to make wow. a trek up to the uh, to where they reside and I did the application with them while he was getting his wife situated. Wow. Um, wow. Did he have, um, did he have a uh, computer access or did you take no, your laptop? No, I, I took my, took my laptop with my secure hotspot and <laughs> went up there and, um, we did the application, um, you know, try to, um, cause he's very excited. Um, so, you know, try to calm him down and just, you know, just do what you need to do, you know, fix breakfast, you know, sit down right. and eat, you know, get your wife dressed, you know, I'm right here. Right. I'll just holler out the questions and you can answer <laughs> them. And the wife okay. was there so she could answer all the questions. So okay. did the Medicaid application, um, through your wife, they answer the question, they get all their documents together. They're very hospitable, um, you know, offer me breakfast, but, you know, I already had my breakfast, you know, on the way up and tea and Two everything like ago, that. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so they were, you know, they were very gracious. They were very happy that, you know, I was able to come out um, flexible around their schedule um, to get what they needed to be done. Um, so they were very happy with the service. Um, once we got the application started, it didn't take that long. And yeah, that's what I was going to, I was yeah. going to ask you what, how long would it like, so you're doing it online. So it goes directly to the, to the office, but how long would that typically take? Um, based on if they have all the information together, about 40, 45 minutes. Um, okay. Just to okay. upload everything or whatever the questions are. Sometimes everything is there. Um, they okay. have the, the answers, what I need there. And sometimes they have to look for them. So okay. um, they were very comical. It's nice to build sort of like that friendly rapport with the yeah. members. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, we got some teasing in and they got t told me a little bit about their, you know, their life. Um, okay. So it was very, it was very nice. Um, yeah. And it was so, it was so relaxed and they were so gracious to the point that they were saying like, anytime you're in this neighborhood, you stop by because me pasta is good pasta. That's what I sure will. So yes, it was great to see that, you know, I could meet their needs and, you know, I could just 
talk to them and just, you know, be their support and just say, you know, I'm here for whatever you need. So just let me know. Right. Well, and so, so now that the application's been in, what's the process? Um, Will they be notified electronically or are they going to get a letter? How how will they know that they've been accepted, that she's been accepted? Well, usually what happens is if the office needs more information, um, uh, a contact from the office will contact that member or whoever applied directly with all the information that they need. I'm not sure due to the pandemic. I know for some states, the um, letters are still going out, but I think letters and a phone call is being done just in case, you know, due to, you know, stuff being, you know, lagged, even though things are opening up, there's still some delays on some things. Right. Well, um, again, to mm-hmm. Lindsay's point, there's, there's, I'm sure there's staffing issues as well in yes. the, in the department. Do they, um, w- does he know that there, I mean, you've done most of the heavy lifting now to get the application. And does he know that there might be follow-up questions and to answer the calls? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So before I, before I left, I let them know to keep all their stuff together because it's possible that a contact will come call from the office and ask them for um, physical backup um, okay. of the okay. information. So that may be um, proof of residency, um, you know, proof of where they live, that they're a resident of New Jersey, things like that, um, birth certificate. So um, so those things they may be contacted on and just have those things together. And when they reach out, just ask them how do they want it to be submitted. Okay. So, so this patient, I'm sorry, the member has insurance through his employer and his wife is covered. So why, why did we think it was important to put, to get her uh, application for medical assistance? What, what benefit will that bring her? Because there are just some services that um, like home health um, and additional resources that are only accessible through Medicaid. Um, even though this person had um, private insurance, they also had um, Medicare. Um, so that also enhanced their benefit. So with okay. the Medicaid, they can get some additional resources that's not accessible through the private or Medicare. And okay. also when um, in terms of co-pays, if they have any medical bills or prescription co-pays or even a doctor visit co-pays, the Medicaid, Medicaid will also pick it up, whatever is left over. Okay. So that's an additional benefit because there was also some financial restrictions in, in the home as well. Okay. Great. Yeah. So, so the benefit of, of, you know, if you, Hey, if you qualify for, for additional services, let's get you enrolled so that you yeah. can get those services. It sounds like yeah, her recovery, yeah. Lindsay, yeah. L- let me go back to you in terms of her long-term recovery clinically, right? Physically. Um, how long do you think this is going to take for her to get back to baseline? So it's going to take weeks. Uh, apparently these blisters take a very long time to heal. Um, and so she is getting better. They're starting to, what they do is they, it forms a big blister and then it, it bursts. And then uh, once that skin then starts to like die off, basically, then the blister goes away. But this has to happen all over her. Um, so I know she's in a lot of pain when she moves. Um, her husband was very concerned about her being alone, 
still. So we set it up that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, she has PT, and Tuesday and Thursday, she has the visiting nurse. Then she also has the friendly visitor coming. Um, so she really has a lot of help and a lot of people, um, you know, part of her care now. So hopefully she can spend the time actually feeling better and not have to worry about all these resources and doing things by herself. Right. Um, you know, she's got a slew of medication that she's taking. Um, some of it's kind of off-label to see if it can help with the blisters. Um, so, but she's she's very determined. She is a right. uh, strong, stubborn woman, and um, she wants to get better, and they're both determined to, you know, kind of get past this. And she's had a stroke in the past. Um, she's got a lot of other issues, so she um, she's come real far, and she's got a great attitude, like Damali said. Um, yeah. They're a, a great loving couple. There's a lot of love in the yes. house, and yes. I think that helps to heal too. And um, so I think that they're actually on the good path. And that, so the reaction to the two antibiotics has she ever was it the antibiotic specifically, or was has she ever had any other reaction to antibiotics? Because this seems like a severe, a severe reaction. Correct. She said no other, she has no allergies at all. Wow. Um, and they don't know quite, quite what started this. Uh, sometimes, wow. like I said, if your immune system's low, but her, she really didn't have any issues with her counts at the time. Um, I mean, once she became septic and was in the ICU, of course, from all the open sores, but she, um, starting this, she just had a very small rash and went to the dermatologist. They don't even know right. what started it. Wow. And she must have been scared to death when, when all those blisters started popping up. Oh, I, I think so. I think she was so overwhelmed. I think they were all overwhelmed. She kept right. having a million doctors in the room. They're all looking at her, trying to figure out what it is. You right. know, like all the residents are staring at her. It's a big right, learning right. opportunity. So right, right, I think right. she just had a lot going on in the hospital. And I think they're happy to be home and just to try to get back to some normalcy. Um but yeah, just like you, Damali, I got promised some dinner too, so maybe we can go over together and we can eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I listen when I was when I was doing the uh, mobile care work. Uh, there were I had lunches with patients who were <laughs> we would go out to lunch and you know kind of I remember this uh, one gentleman we went out to lunch and of course he was diabetic <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he, he wanted to get dessert and i just looked at him like really you're gonna do that right in front of me okay <laughs> all right I, you know his wife just shook her head like oh geez I, this is all the time like okay no wonder your hemoglobin a1c is high um anyway so maybe you don't want to look away when you're when you're eating <laughs> when yeah, you're out you the, right, look away do as i say not as i do or do as i whatever um so yeah. anyway, so so let me get so this is so she's continuing. You'll continue to support her, both of you, and of course, uh, Damali. If they need any other additional support, you, I know you will be there. Uh, yes. But it sounds like they have a pretty good uh, team. P particularly, I'm really impressed with the volunteer um, uh, aspect of of having somebody just sit there as a companion. That's kind of cool. Um, great program. And if uh, I if I can give kudos too to the visiting nurse team, um, they actually were very responsive. They they saw the urgency. Um, they yeah. didn't poo-poo anything. They came right out. I don't know how many 
physical therapists actually come out three days a week and the nurses twice a week, um, right. but they made right. that happen for this couple. And um, yeah. I think just the way we all came together has been really great. And they're, they're, ha- they're so happy and so grateful and constantly calling me to thank me. And um, it's really nice. Well, and, and when I think about, because to, to, much of our work is dealing with hiccups in the healthcare system, right? But it mm-hmm. sounds like from the get-go, even though this was Friday at five o'clock, that the case manager at the insurance company cared and made the call because she knew yeah. that you, that guardian nurses could be that bridge, as we often describe our work, like the bridge from hospital to home and, and then coordinating care at home as well, whereas she could only, you know, deal with things in the hospital, right? So it, it sounds like it was a a, a great team effort from the insurance company, from the hospital case manager, from the home care case manager, from a lot of people. And then, of course, guardian nurses kind of making that glue uh, and putting it all together, particularly with the with the Molly's assistance to fill out the Medicaid application online. Right. When they didn't have computer access. Um, that that sounds like a great yeah you know, went, went like the full moon when everything lines up that it works. That's great. So uh, kudos to you as well, ladies, because I think you were a big part of that success. And hopefully she continues to heal, right? And, you know, and, and never take those antibiotics again. That's for sure. Yes. Oh, she's definitely never taking those again. And I feel like the husband will definitely stay in touch. Right. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no matter what happens. Yeah. So so I like to ask whenever guests are on it and we talk about stories, I like to kind of f- come back to you and uh, to Molly, I'll ask you first, like what when you think about this case and, and the, the dramatic nature of it and, and all hands on deck and everything kind of clicking, what would you like to pull out from that to give us like words of wisdom to our listeners? I would say be flexible. Um, and the reason why I would say that, because usually at 530 in the morning, I'm turning over. Um, <laughs> but um, I saw the, the need um, that this family had to have. And in order, the goal was to try to get them some resources to help them out in the home. So what do I need to do? to make sure that that goal is met. And since, again, that this individual, the primary caregiver, which was the husband, um, has uh, works long hours in a day during the week, and it's really unconventional, my thing was, okay, I'll meet you before you leave out for work. So So meeting him at 7.30 in the morning, meaning I had to leave out, at a time to get there in time to complete the application. Right. So I have to be flexible in order to make sure that the, any member or any person that I'm working with needs are met. That is not always oh. cookie cutter. Right. Okay. But yeah. And, and I think that it highlights uh, certainly being flexible. The healthcare system is a system, right? And we know that, and it's a lot of bureaucracy and it's often not very flexible. And so kudos to you for being flexible. Correct. Lindsay, Lindsay, how about yes, you? Thank you, Damali. Um, I would say that this experience has taught me as well, um, and this 
couple that there are a lot of resources out there available um, and you know, not to be shy and to ask if you need help. Um, this gentleman asked for help and he's received quite a bit and mm -hmm. he's very thankful for it. And I think that if you're able to, you know, be resourceful and uh, ask for the help, then, you know, it's, it's usually around the corner and don't be shy about it. Well, uh, th I mean, that, that's true, right? But I, I think what we find a lot with our patients and families is that, that, that they don't know even what to ask, right? So, they're faced with a, a, a conundrum or, you know, a crisis and they don't even know what to ask. So I mm -hmm. guess going to, you know, having somebody like you or Damali to say, you know, how do I do this is a huge help. Um, part of why uh, Guardian Nurses is so successful at helping families. But but I also think within the system um, to, to for the husband to have asked, right, to to just reach out to the case manager, to the home care manager and keep asking for help. Because I think, and yes. and I know you ladies would agree, we, anybody in the health, we do want to help people. The system does operate with a lot of people who are mission driven, who want to help. It's just that sometimes to, to Damali's point, it's not that flexible. You know, people are too busy. They can't get to it. Um, so you just got to kind of be the squeaky wheel, I guess. Yeah. And also you have to remember too, because where this individual member individuals from culturally, sometimes they don't like to ask for help. So I had to tell them it's okay to ask right. for help. There's a need. I understand and I get it. Um, so with me telling that to them at that standpoint, while I was there, you can see like they're like, they're shaking their head. Yes. Like, okay, we have to ask for help. Okay. And then it was no shame in that. Yeah. No, not at all, because it sounds like the community really came together uh, with a lot of resources. So I, I am I am I was really happy to hear, uh, I, you know, I know that's still ongoing, but it sounds like it's a positive outcome for now for them. Yeah, yes, so far yes. so good. One day, one day at a time. But as a team, I think that we're keeping them safe and sound and uh, they're doing well. Right. Well, thank you both uh, for your time, um, for the story, and certainly for your work on this case. I know you made a big difference to this family. So, um, you know, I think you should take the rest of the day off. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Don't tease me, Betty. And yeah. beware, beware of Friday 5 o'clock calls, Lindsay. <laughs> Yes, I will be for now on. <laughs> All right, ladies, thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care. <laughs>